Goldfinger, do you expect me to talk? Yes, Mr. Bond, this is a podcast, and it may feature spoilers for the movie Goldfinger. Welcome to Diabolical, the show where four long-suffering friends dissect films' most dastardly schemes, then try to improve them. I'm your host, Gareth Slade, and this week's movie is Goldfinger. So fetch your iron-rimmed hat, and let's get diabolical. I'm joined in the studio today by our panel of peril. If you could introduce yourselves and tell us your favourite Bond. Hello, I'm Adam Turner, and my favourite Bond is Roger Moore. I'm Ben Stanson, and my favourite Bond is Roger Moore. I'm Craig Morris, and I don't have a favourite Bond. They're all pretty good. Uh, And also, you shouldn't care who my favourite Bond is. (laughs) Just pick your own. (laughs) Well, for my two pence, my favourite Bond is actually Daniel Craig. How contemporary. I try. I try. <laughs> he is very good. I suppose if I if I was uh, if I was forced, I guess I would pick Sean Connery. But it's difficult, right? Because we come from Colwyn Bay, so we should support our local boy Timothy Dalton. Uh, and also, I'd like to support George Lazenby because he unfairly gets a lot of shit, and I think that he's 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 fine. You know, he's fine. That, so is our favourite uh, Python, Terry Jones, then? Yeah. Yeah. On that But Roger, Roger Moore's yeah. mum lived in Rose, so we should support Roger Moore. Yeah. I do. She did. She used to run Forte's ice cream. What? This is news yeah. to me. Yeah. No, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't her Forte. Yes, mother. I'll have a <laughs> raspberry ripple. <laughs> <laughs> I rather fancy a Knickerbocker glory. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to uh, that Betty? Oh, I stuck a flake up his arse. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I haven't heard the word baddie for about 20 years. <laughs> well, you've been obviously moving in the wrong circles. Goldfinger was released in 1964 and was directed by Guy Hamilton. He also directed Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let Die and The Man with the Golden Gun in the Bond series. In world news, President Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act into law, ending racial segregation. Roald Dahl's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was published. The Beatles attained the number one spot in the US charts for the first time with I Want to Hold Your Hand. And the Labour Party came to power in the UK and Harold Wilson became Prime Minister. Goldfinger was the third highest grossing film of 1964 behind Mary Poppins at one and My Fair Lady at number two. Then we had Carpetbaggers at four and From Russia with Love. So guys, what did you think of the film? It's your quintessential Bond film. I think if someone asked me which uh, Sean Connery Bond they should watch, this would be it. Mm. If you had asked me 20 years ago, what's the best Bond, the prestige Bond, I would have definitely said Goldfinger. 
But then I watched it last week and I thought, oh, oh, really? this isn't as good as I remember. <laughs> yeah. Huh. yeah, I, 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 I'd, yeah, reflect that as well. Um, I, I watched it last week very sort of quickly between things and I've literally just watched it before we start recording this morning. And um, oh, it is shocking how, ba- <laughs> how badly it's aged. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even talking in terms of that because I was expecting that anyway, but this doesn't work in, in the series' favour generally, but I happened to catch North by Northwest the week before and it's so much better. It's like, if you wanted, if, if somebody said, what's the best spy movie to watch? I would I would say North by Northwest. It's such a great action thriller. Um, it still has a lot of campiness to it, and uh, it is dated, but it's just a, a more accomplished movie. Goldfinger seemed a bit a bit of a knockoff next to North by Northwest. So you're saying the uh, the old seagull disguise at the start wasn't original? <laughs> I made a uh, a note of that while I was watching it. <laughs> Surely nothing on his head would have been less conspicuous than a <laughs> fake seagull. <laughs> I know exactly the same thing. His hair is kind of black. If he'd just swam in with with just his hair, like any guard looking in the water probably would have thought, that looks like some seaweed or or a, a, a wig, maybe. But this, this obviously fake seagull coming in. And you can see it in Sean Connery's face when he takes the seagull off his head. Before he throws it away, he looks at it really angrily. Like, this is fucking stupid. He knew what was coming, I guess. Because the books do get increasingly camp, as did the films after he left. In fact, I say after he left, Diamonds of Forever is quite camp, isn't During it? his tenure. Yeah. I think um, I started to watch it with uh, my eldest... Uh, child and I think the seagull was the breaking point for him so quite early he uh he <laughs> saw the first that scene. and he just went <laughs> he could see him just shake his head like that and he just went I'm going <laughs> <laughs> that was it done he loves oh, the Daniel shame. Craig films <laughs> that's a shame because he didn't even oh, make it to it. Miami <laughs> <laughs> wow oh my god he didn't make it to say goodbye to Felix. Man talk. Man talk, yeah. <laughs> Smack bum. <laughs> and, Slap uh, yeah. Well, he slaps her on the arse, but also he doesn't make a lot of effort to... Uh, well, I think this is before that, actually. When he goes back to his hotel after the, uh, the conveniently placed nitro tanks that he blows up, there's a woman waiting for him, and he's... Quite happy about allowing her to take a kosh to the bonds, and the, the guy tries to attack. Oh, him yeah, he just pulls her into the way, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, uses her as a human shield. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've got human Classy. shield written in my notes. Exactly. <laughs> what was your favourite line from the whole film? There's some belters. Obviously, it gives us. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mister Bond. I expect you to die, which is classic, a classic line. Really. Yeah, but what's your favourite yeah. line for the film? Well, I like all the cheesy lines, like you know, he says the man talk stuff, and then he's got there's a couple of phallic references to guns. Uh, the one uh, I like the most is something Biggs come up when he's uh, getting jiggy with it with uh, Jill Masterson. <laughs> Very uh, <laughs> good, but uh, but the best one is he says um, while well, he's get that well this, that particular sequence has um, a number of good lines in it but he says about um uh dom perignon 1953 serving it above 38 degrees fahrenheit is as bad as listening to the beatles without earmuffs oh and how wrong were they i love how 
cultured Bond is regarding the specific temperatures at which to serve drinks. In one of the other movies, he uh, references the correct temperature at which to drink sake. And uh, the the uh, Japanese businessman who's uh, with, with him on the plane t- says to him, oh, you're a very cultured man, Mr. Bond. And I've always thought that about him. The height of culture to know the correct temperature at which to serve a beverage. <laughs> uh, it's funny because the, like part of the book of Goldfinger is about demonstrating how he's really not cultured and he feels really uncomfortable hanging around these people and he really doesn't like rich people. It's kind of funny. How much does the book differ from the film? Well, the lady does not get gilded in the book. Oh, really? And actually, the, the main aim of in the book is is a heist to take the gold, which obviously is different from the film. Hmm. It's just straightforward. Yeah, and also it references Casino Royale quite early on, obviously because they didn't make Casino Royale during the Connery run. They couldn't do that in the movie, but how he gets involved in Goldfinger's business is ridiculously contrived in the book. He meets somebody who saw him play at Casino Royale and wants him to beat Goldfinger in a card game because he suspects that he's cheating. Obviously, we, we see in the movie that he is. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a ridiculous coincidence that he ends up in Goldfinger's sphere, whereas in the movie, obviously, it's uh, M that points him towards Goldfinger right away. Can I share my favourite line? Yeah. At least he won't be using heroin-flavoured bananas to finance revolutions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Here's a question for you. You know, the famous, uh, the opening to Bond, you see the, you, you're looking down the barrel of a gun, yeah? Mm, that's not Sean Connery, is that what you I was going to say, that's not Sean it's Connery. not. That was it one question. Not, no. The second, yep. how early does that guy shoot? I'm sure yeah, we hear the sound first. before we see the flash. So Yes, you do, yeah, I was thinking that. So my question <laughs> is, in the 1960s, did sound travel faster than light? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he sort of pulls his gun as well. If you look, he kind yeah. of fires as he's, he's bringing it around it. as well. It's like uh, Wanted. Like, Did Jesus. anybody ever see that? Where they swing their guns and they can bend bullets around corners. It's the only explanation. Oh, yeah, yeah. With, um, what's yeah, it, James yeah. McAvoy and Angelina Jolie, it's isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doesn't, don't you see a bum in that? Think, or at least a body double <laughs> that's that's about the only thing I, that stands out in that film for me is that I think you see her getting out of the shower and you see a bum did you say her bum or our bum I thought her you said bum. our bum, her bum. <laughs> well any bums any bums a good bum any bums a bonus <laughs> So in Goldfinger, the eponymous villain seeks to contaminate the gold in Fort Knox, leaving it unusable, causing economic chaos and increasing the value of his own gold. We follow Babyl Smooth Bond as he traverses the world to foil this most dastardly of plans. So, what do we all think of this plan? It's very elaborate. I give it a score of four florets of broccoli. (laughs) (laughs) Against the maximum possible of how much? Uh, I don't know because this is my proprietary broccoli <laughs> benchmarking system. And being the first film we reviewed, Goldfinger is currently both the highest and lowest rated <laughs> film. The lowest, yeah. yeah. But as, as we add more films to the list, my hope is that it will evolve into one of the most comprehensive evil scheme rating systems in modern history. Well, I'm going to give it, as a plan, I'm going to give it seven florets of broccoli and a side helping of cauliflower cheese it's a damn solid plan 
It's a bit complex, isn't it? It's complex, but like for for the reasons discussed in the movie, you couldn't transport that much gold out of Fort Knox without, you know, you'd have to have the diehard with the vengeance uh, convoy of, of bin lorries to get it out of there. So leaving it there and, and rendering it, you know, unusable is quite clever as a concept. I think there are some more convoluted elements of the plan, but uh, I'll go into those as we go in turn. Goldfinger says this plan... Operation Grand Slam is 15 years in the making. Seems a lot of time to dedicate to a plan for a man who's already quite rich and living a comfortable life. He owns a country club in the UK. He's yeah. got a stud farm in Kentucky. Yeah. Well, on that, I, I noted quite early on that for a man of his means, his um, card sharp hustle seems quite petty but um when i read the book it goes some way to explaining that so jill masters as she called the, the his secretary at the start she explains to bond that for goldfinger money's an addiction and that he will never have enough so i guess i could believe that he would spend 15 years on a plan that would significantly increase the, the money that he had and also you know because he is quite a seemingly quite a petty person damage uh, other people's shares but also in the book, he's an agent of Smirsh, which is like the uh, the shit version of Spectre. So he is, he is attempting to destabilise the UK economy as an enemy of Smirsh. Turner, what do you think of Goldfinger's plan? Like you said, it's very complex. And if it's 15 years in the making, he basically he's, he could basically have a lot of holes, uh, a lot of uh, grasses. Um, and, that, and that's eventually what brings down his plan at the sort of 11th hour pussy galore dobs him into the F fbi well, yeah that's uh, what i was going to say you know that the, the one the one most elaborate part of his scheme is that he decides to use an all-girl you know group of uh, crop dusters to spread his nerve toxin over four knocks so mm -hmm. you know he, he could have got anyone yeah. to do that anyone with a plane but he specifically went for pussy galore's flying circus You'd like to think as well that Fort Knox would be a no-fly zone. You'd much. think, wouldn't you? But not, not I mean, in the sixties. I, I think probably. No, apparently may, not. Maybe that was the that was the point. Maybe they were like, we got a we got a bogey coming in. Two clicks, please advise. It's okay. That's just pussy galore's flying circus. A harmless bunch of bunch of girls in planes. There's some tremendous uh, falling down, unconscious acting during the uh, the spreading of the nerve agent as well. Yeah. Real hammy falling over. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess because they were meant to be pretending, that's kind of good, right? Because when they... Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. I think uh, we've we've skirted over something earlier that I wanted to mention, specifically about the, the card game, which is that Bond's terry cloth dungaree shorts are very cute, aren't they? <laughs> Oh, well, I'm glad we came back to that. <laughs> yeah. Just a powder blue terry cloth dungaree short. They're uh, quite a sight. <laughs> and, and actually, while we're in Miami, right, I think that's the first scene after the, the opening theme, right? Yeah. How freaking long is that establishing shot? I'm pretty sure it went on for about four minutes. It was just establishing yeah. it was in Miami, but it was like a real long zoom. <laughs> it yeah. just kept going. It's like, Christ. How long are you establishing was, this one? If I was Cubby Broccoli and I'd taken the crew to Miami and then got told, well, we've done most of the filming on a, on a hotel set and you can't really see anything except the pool and some windows, he would have been like, God damn it, I didn't spend a million buckaroos flying you clowns out to Miami. Get some footage of Miami. And he probably used it in like a bunch of other films. 
sold it as stock footage of Miami. <laughs> One thing that you kind of touched on there that I do think Goldfinger got right is odd job. What an excellent henchman. Yeah, loyal to a fault. Yeah, I love it. I love the introduction. The first time you see him, it's a silhouette that chops Bond to the, to the back <laughs> of the neck. It looks like Hitchcock's just chopped Bond. Speaking of Hammer Horror, his um, henchman dialogue. Uh, uh. Yeah, he just holds up the golf ball and goes, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Apparently Harold Sakata, the actor who played Oddjob, loved being Oddjob so much that he adopted the nickname Oddjob for the rest of his career. Wow. I'm not sure what films, but I'm sure I read that he'd appeared in other films as a character by the name of Oddjob. Yeah, yeah. Whether he had the steel, the steel-brimmed hat, I'm not totally sure, but yeah. He was a professional wrestler, and I think he actually wrestled under the name Odd Job at certain points as well. Mm. There's a great story um, in the country club, the uh, the golf course, where he uh, he demonstrates his prowess to Bond by cutting the head off a statue with his steel-brimmed hat. Apparently, the special effects team were trying to make it fall, and they couldn't get it right. They tried it, and they tried it, and they tried it, and they just couldn't get it to fall right. So uh, this Harold Sakata says, leave it to me. And he actually throws this iron-brimmed hat at the uh, statue hits it first time and it falls down and that's the shot you see. What? That's ah. incredible. That's ace. That's really very impressive. Now, this is the part of the show where our panel of peril compete for the title of this week's most diabolical and with it the honour of choosing next week's movie and becoming the host of the show. Well, Goldfinger's plan was to contaminate the gold in Fort Knox, leaving it unusable, causing economic chaos and increasing the value of his own gold. But he was unsuccessful. Mr. Turner, what would you have done differently? The problem, obviously, I had with his plot uh, was that it was very complex and it was open to multiple failures, essentially, and, and surely the, the biggest failure over 15 years was somebody who him up, and that's what, exactly what happened. So I just thought, well, what's, what's the easiest thing to do? You want to irradiate a load of gold, how do you do it? And the operation's called Operation Grand Slam, and there was a bomb in the Second World War called the Grand Slam bomb. I think it was £15,000 or something like that. So I just thought, well, why didn't you... Just if they can fly over it in little silly planes, surely they can just fly over it with one big bomb and just drop it straight on the top of Fort Knox uh, and um, just basically make the whole place totally unlivable. Uh, nobody can get to gold or anything because the, the, it'll just burn straight through the, the it's what 10,000 degrees Celsius or something daft like that, isn't it? So everything will melt down extremely fast. Um, you'd kill lots of people at the same time, but surely a dirty bomb that he was planning on releasing would kill a, a great many <laughs> people as well. And they said 35,000 troops there at a the time or something. I think it was in the film. So I just thought, why not just drop a bomb on the place? If you can just fly over it at will anyway, just drop a, drop, drop a great big bomb on it. So what's the method of conveyance for this new bomb that will be getting dropped? Basically like an old aircraft. And they're basically say it's going to crash and it's going down and it ends up, ends up crashing on Fort Knox. Oh, so the entire plane crashes into it. Mm -hmm. ah, okay. Mm -hmm. So it's a, a suicide yeah. bombing. If so it's, it's so it's kind of, yeah, yeah. Right. In what way is it not? Not questions from you. 
Yeah, you got to stay silent because oh, this is a contest, Craig. No, no bants in this section. You don't see professional pole vaulters poking their opposition with their poles. <laughs> when about to jump. It would make it more interesting. Imagine how much more fun the Olympics would be. <laughs> <laughs> so who who's piloting this this suicide mission and what what's in it for them uh pussy pussy galore okay what what does she get out of dying when she's in it for the money <laughs> uh <laughs> she doesn't realize it's a suicide mission okay <laughs> so it's too late <laughs> now now goldfinger i will survive this winter <laughs> Oh yes, my dear. <laughs> just, 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 just as they're pulling away as, as, to go for the flight, a little sticker peels off, and it's got Laoche air freight written on it. No further questions, Your Honour. Yeah, no further questions, Your Honour. I rest my case. So next up, then we have Ben Steinson. Assuming I have access to the same resources as uh, our friend Goldfinger. I would hold a gala soiree at my Kentucky stud farm. I'd invite all the local dignitaries, uh, including, of course, the head of the Gold Bullion Reserve at Fort Knox. I'd bond with him uh, because it's the 60s. I'm assuming it's a man. I'd bond with him over cognac and fine Latvian cigars, becoming perhaps not friends at first, but certainly acquaintances. Then over the next few weeks and months, I'd make sure to kind of bump into him socially restaurants, charity events, just slowly build that relationship. That's when a series of misfortunes would beset him and his family. Accidents, things not going so well at home. You know, perhaps his wife finds reason to suspect him of cheating. Slowly, his life begins to unravel and he becomes isolated. When he's at his lowest point, that's when his, his new friend, Benrick Steinfingers, steps in to comfort him. After a few cocktails, I ask him, you know, in trying times such as these... Has he ever considered turning to a higher power? I invite him to join me at my church, which, unbeknownst to him, is, is a cult I've established. It's a place where we care deeply for our fellow man, and uh, naturally polygamy is encouraged. And that's where Pussy Galore and the Flying Circus Girls would come in. With the help of their unique brand of aeronautic uh, sexuality, I'd slowly indoctrinate him into a religion based on the ancient astronaut theory that says extraterrestrials came to Earth in search of gold and genetically created humans to help them mine it. I'd also tell him that the prophecy foretells that one day in the not too distant future, the aliens will return to Earth for the gold and that those that help them will be rewarded by being taken to their homeworld and gifted immortality. After a few months with the Pussy Galore Girls, he'll believe his life has turned around and it will all be thanks to this wonderful new religion. And then the time would come. I'd tell him that the aliens will be arriving in a matter of days for the gold. I'd show him my own gold reserves, express my worry that it might not be enough to save everyone in the church. (laughs) Then I would innocently ask if he knew of anywhere we could get more. By this point, he'd be so indoctrinated (laughs) into the religion, he he would suggest that we simply ship the gold from Fort Knox. Under his orders, my men would collect it unhindered. Once the gold is in my possession, I would hide it beneath my stud farm. And the, uh, the head of the gold reserve would accompany Odd Job to the junkyard, where there'd be an unfortunate incident involving a car compactor. Meanwhile, economic chaos would reign supreme. You know, what I like about it is the simplicity. Because Goldfinger's... <laughs> <laughs> Goldfinger's plot was kind of convoluted, right? 
Now you're starting to see the benefits of my idea now. <laughs> a pussy gore Doctor Strange love affair. One thing I could guarantee is that mine would be done within a year. <laughs> Not 15. Uh, I think more like 15, 15 years to get acquainted with him. No, no, I'd, sh- go, I'd shave 14 years got, off that time. You got any man. idea where we get a lot of gold from? <laughs> <laughs> the key is never mentioning the gold. <laughs> Can I hear how you would approach that? Say, no, no oh, questions from you. Aliens want gold. <laughs> I want to hear you talk. I want to hear you. Um, what your gambit for the gold? I want to hear your gambit for the gold. Hey, yeah, give me some gold. <laughs> I was being gambit. It'd be all like uh, casual, like, ah, the aliens are coming next couple of days. Here's my pile of gold, but I do worry it's not enough for us all to be saved. You wouldn't happen to know where we could get our hands on some gold, would you? <laughs> <laughs> would you do that like, stroking your chin, looking from side to side? <laughs> so I know we're not meant to be asking questions here, but I have to because I've written this down. Is is the head of the gold bullion reserve at Fort Knox an actual job? Because <laughs> it sounds a bit made up. <laughs> yes, I'm the head of the gold bullion reserve at Fort Knox. Chop, chop. Uh, there's got to be someone running the show, surely. Oh, any questions, Gaz? <laughs> that shows how foolproof the plan is. <laughs> Gaz doesn't have any questions. I'm thoroughly convinced okay. by the creation of Scientology. Several years after Scientology was created in order to steal gold, which is what Scientology was created for. So it's, it works, it works. Exactly. <laughs> and finally, we have Craig Morris's plan. Okay, so uh, his plan obviously is to irradiate the gold at Four Knox to inflate the value of the gold that he already owned in various countries. That got me wondering about how valuable gold is, especially compared to other things. Um, so initially, um, what I found out was that one gram of gold is worth about £45. I can't remember whether that's now or in 1964 because they'd look at both. Um, whereas a gram of diamond is worth £36,000, so about 240 times the value of a gram of gold. So my first plan was that I would change my name to Diamond Finger and uh, I would irradiate the diamond reserves in Russia. The, the good thing about that is, in 1964, if I told Bond that my plan was to irradiate the diamond reserves in Russia, he'd be like, oh shit, yeah, let's do that. I'll help. Because, you know, he was he was against the Reds, right? But I abandoned the whole Diamond Finger plan when I discovered that one gram of LSD is worth about $13 for 100 milligrams, which means it's worth uh, 1,130,000... No, $130,000 a gram, which is about £97... Uh, £97,000 a gram for LSD. So I changed my name to LSD Finger <laughs> and I'd use all my mob connections to just sell and manufacture LSD. And I'd make so much more money than I would from having any amount of gold. £97,000 a gram LSD. And I could just have it on very light sheets of paper. I wouldn't need to worry about, you know, carrying gold around and in my car and stuff. Can you imagine how much LSD you'd be able to get in the, in the panels of your Phantom Rolls Royce? I think the genius thing about that plan is that you might not think on an initial inspection that that, that would destabilise the world economy, but that's so much LSD that no one's going to be working. Yeah. <laughs> no. 
What happens if you have a car crash on the way home with all the LSD in your Rolls Royce? Just like roll over and, and lick the panel and just don't worry about <laughs> what the consequences. <laughs> just, just just have a nice time. The Snozzberries taste like Snozzberries. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, LSD finger is, is my plan in a nutshell. Do you not think that the name LSD finger might draw unnecessary attention from the authorities? What, do you think people would think that but just because my name was LSD finger that I was somehow into LSD. Nobody suspected <laughs> Nobody suspected Oric no. <laughs> Goldfinger of being into gold, did they? You see, Mr. Bond, I've always liked gold. The colour of it, the shine. <laughs> totally unrelated to the name. You see, Mr. Bond, I've always liked LSD, the taste, the <laughs> the giddy feeling. <laughs> yes, I'm familiar with it myself, Goldfinger. Must be served at 65 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> Bring me some caviar sandwiches and don't skimp on the LSD. <laughs> so first up, we have Mr. Turner's plan, which was essentially the same plan as Goldfinger, except Pussy Galore would suicide bomb into Fort Knox in order to melt the gold down. Unwittingly suicide bomb, I should add. Then we have Mr. Ben Steinson's plan, who uh, created Scientology in order to brainwash the head of gold bullion at Fort Knox into simply handing his gold over. And then we had Mr. Craig Morris, who changed Goldfinger into LSD Finger and destabilise the world's economy from making everybody too high to do anything. Those schemes were truly diabolical, but there can be only one winner. This week's most diabolical and host of next week's show is... Mr. Ben Steinson. Yes! I found his plan to be the most logical, with the best real-world application, whereby cults are quite capable of swaying people into handing over all of their money. And so Mr. Steinson is our inaugural winner. How does it feel? What an honour. What an honour. And what will be your choice of movie for next week? Next week, we will be dissecting the movie Demolition Man. Excellent choice, sir. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Excellent. <laughs> I haven't seen that in many a moon. Looking forward to watching that. Yeah, same. I've been meaning to watch it as well, so... Good excuse. And that about wraps it up for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you might get your podcasts from. It would also help to tell your friends in person and on social media. Help spread the word. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DiabolicalPod and on Facebook at Diabolical. Until next time, just be nice to people, would you? Mm-hmm.